0: Thank you, David. This morning's text uh, that we'll be looking at is going to be found in 2 Samuel chapter 6. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 11. I will be referring uh, in the message this morning also to 1 Chronicles 13. Verses 1 through 14, um, they give and shed a little more detail on what's being said in the text. Because I'm not expository, I've got to catch up a little bit in the uh, introduction, so uh, bear with me for just a moment. The events of 1st and 2nd Samuel uh, take place between the years 1105 BC, where we see the birth of Samuel taking place, and it concludes uh, with the last words of David in BC 971. So we're looking at approximately 134 years of history um, as we come to the point that we pick up in 2 Samuel, David is asking, how do I bring the ark back to the people of Israel, to my the place of the city of David? How do I unite the people of the kingdom of Israel? Well, we're going to answer the questions this morning, where, what is the ark and where is it? the ark and why did it get there. At the end of our reading we're going to see that a man lies um, on the ground beside the ark dead. His purpose was to bring the ark. He touched the ark but why is he dead? What was his motives? What was the purpose in God striking him dead? First and Second Samuel, Israel starts off as tribes that are under judges. Samuel is one of the last uh, judges. He had sons, but they did evil in the sight of the Lord. The people look primarily to Samuel for their guidance for hearing from the Lord. They <clears throat> When the priest became corrupt, when the judges became corrupt, the people turned to the kings, turned to the other nations to look for their leadership. And they said, we want a king like all the other nations. And so Samuel was upset, but God told Samuel, Samuel they have not rejected you but they have rejected me so god gave them their king in saul in first and second samuel you'll see the life of two kings played out one of the people's choosing rejecting god and one of god's sovereignty of his redemption of sending his king in David. first and second, Samuel, you have the divinic covenant, the promise that through the line of David, one would sit on the throne forever, one sent by God. and that one king is still sitting on the throne this day in Jesus Christ, God's Son. Yes, King Saul was the nation of Israel rejecting God. King David was God's sovereignty in redeeming and providing what a nation needed to come into his presence. Today we are going to zero in on 2 Samuel 6 and see the personal as well as the national effects of sin. Today in our society, we ask, why is our world, why is our country in the path that it is choosing to go? Why is everything in an uproar? Well, we can answer this question by looking to God's word. So, um, let me pray And then if you'll stand, we'll read our text this morning. Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, sovereign God, you are the creator and the giver of life. You are holy and completely other. We come to you this morning through the blood of Jesus Christ, our great high priest, who sacrificed his self as a righteous sacrifice, one who kept the law, your law in its abundance. Lord, it is only through his blood that we're allowed to come before you in prayer with our praises and to hear from your word. Lord, I pray for our congregation this morning that you would give them ears to hear and eyes to behold your holiness and the importance of the word of God. Lord, I am just your mouthpiece. Speak through me, through the holy scriptures that you have provided that speak of Christ. Lord, those who are not believers this morning, May they see their need for salvation and to cry out in faith to believe. And Lord, as we as believers come, may you refresh in us again the understanding that you are a holy God. You have saved us and you have given us uh, ways to live. Your spirit lives within us. We are the temple of the Lord and we are bought with a price. And we must glorify you through our lives and through your church, Lord. I thank you for this time that you've given us, and again, bless the preaching of your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you'll stand, we'll read verses 1 through 11 of Second Samuel 6. <clears throat> David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Bala Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God. And Ohio went before the ark, and David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor at Nakon, Uzzah put out his hand To the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error. And he died there beside the ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. At this point in our passage, the judge Samuel is dead, King Saul is dead, and David wants to unite Israel as a kingdom, and he desires to bring the Ark of the Covenant to the city of David in Jerusalem in celebration before the people. It's said by some scholars that there were where possibly one of the three festivals were taking place at this time. And you figure for 20 years, at least in the house of Abinadab, they had not sought the Ark of the Covenant. So you have another generation coming up that has never taken place in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant being in the city, let alone a procession to lead. The Ark of the Covenant um, is one of our points today that we'll talk about what is the Ark. But this was where the presence of God came, uh, where the high priest in the Holy of Holies, it would stay. So uh, David was assembling all the soldiers, the elders and leaders, priests and Levites, to sing and to praise and to bring the Ark of God back. The Ark of God is in the house of Abinadam in Kiriath-Jerim up on a hill and has been there for 20 years since the Philistines sent it back to Israel. And we'll talk about that. Why is it sitting there rather in the presence of Israel? Well, what is the ark? The ark was a box or a chest that was uh, the Lord told Moses to instruct the builders to construct this box. It was two and a half cubits wide, foot and a half deep, and a foot and a half depth, and to cover it with gold. It had uh, two angel designs, the cherubim, that were on the top of it. Um, It was housed, as I said, in the Holy of Holies. In Hebrews chapter 9, we read in verses 4 and 5, the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was the gold urn that held the manna, Aaron's staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant the Ten Commandments that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. Above it were the cherub of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. The Ark of the Covenant uh, continues to say that only the high priest could go in but once a year and not without taking blood. The blood that he offered was not just for the people's unintentional sins, but it was for himself. His own blood, the blood of the bull or goat would be shed, and he would cleanse himself before entering. Here, this is how the people came before the presence of God. They would wait outside while the high priest went in and made sacrifice. The sacrifice of the bulls of goats were only a covering. They didn't take away the sins of the people. And that's important to understand. It was only a covering. The sins of the people, past, present, and future, as you'll hear me say, was not taken completely away and removed, as Psalm says, as far as the east is from the west until the blood of Jesus Christ was shed on the cross. There he made the perfect sacrifice. He became the high priest because he entered all mankind who believes on the blood of Jesus Christ and is given faith to believe they are ushered into the presence of God. They can stand before God complete because of Jesus Christ. So what made Jesus the perfect sacrifice? Well, within the boxes, box, the Ark of the Covenant, was the urn that was filled with manna. The manna is what fed the children of Israel in the desert when they left Israel. It sustained them. If you remember in John, his gospel, he said, I am the bread of life that has come down from heaven. Jesus left glory, took on flesh, and dwelt among us, and became the bread of life. He became the living water that we needed to sustain ourselves. We can't come into the presence of God unless we keep his law. The Ten Commandments were housed down there because that pointed to Israel's sin in need of a sacrifice. When they broke the laws they would have to bring their animal sacrifice as a peace offering as a sin offering and present these in the tabernacle. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law of his father perfectly securing righteousness to be offered as the Lamb of God upon the cross. You have Aaron's rod that budded. Had, uh, when the sons of Korah were challenging the authority of Aaron, and they took the rods and laid them before uh, the ark, and then the next morning they came in, Aaron's rod had budded. It had even produced almonds overnight, showing that God had truly chosen uh, the Levites to uh, continue in the leading of the people. But Jesus was the ultimate high priest. He was the life giver in that rod blooming from dead to life, Jesus Christ died and rose again, giving life to all who will believe. We have the lid of the Ark of the Covenant where the cherubim looked on in amazement, in wonder. This is where the Shekinah glory of God dwelt, and this is where you find the Lamb of God, its blood. Shed there, the cherubim overlooked and looked upon this sacrifice because with the angels, there is no longer there is no grace. you were either a elect angel or you were a fallen angel. there was not an in mediator to st- go between so to for the angels to see a The Holy Son of God sacrificed to redeem a sinful mankind was amazing, beyond comprehension. We believers today should have that same awe and amazement. When we look at our lives, though we believe in Jesus Christ, we have faith, we still live in these fleshly bodies that fail and are in need of repentance, confession of our sins, but that a holy God would look upon his son's blood sacrifice and know that mine and your sins are seen on the cross and removed should make a response of awe and amazement because this is the grace of God. Yes, the Ark of the Covenant was the representation in, to Israel of the presence of God and Jesus Christ was the fulfiller of this. So in our text, why is it in Keriath-Jerim? Sitting on a hill. Why haven't the people seen the glory of the Lord in 20 years? Well, that's 20 years in Israel. We go back to the first of Samuel and we see Samuel's leader, Eli, the high priest. He had two sons that served as priests in the temple. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. They lay with the women that were serving in the tent of meetings. They robbed the sacrifices of the people that were coming before the Lord. And they would take portions that were not theirs that belonged to God. And when Eli was confronted with it, he did nothing. He pointed it out to his children and said, You are doing evil But uh, the book of Samuel says that Eli chose to honor his sons over honoring God. And when this evil was taking place, God came to Samuel and told him in a vision as a boy that Eli would be cut off. Eli would die, his children would die, and he would lose the priesthood, um, except we'll find Ichabod in a moment coming. Their sons, their relatives would plead to be back into the priesthood, but they would not be allowed to enter. Their sin, the man who was supposed to be a representative, a go-between, the high priest, between the people and God, sinned, failed. So we as pastors this morning, elders, those that preach the Word of God, it is important that we always proclaim the whole entire counsel of God contained in Scripture. We don't deter from it. Even if our family is sinning, we must hold to what God says is true and right. Israel got in a battle with the Philistines. They called for the ark to come into battle. And Hophni and Phinehas, they led the ark into the battle. And the Philistines destroyed Israel, not completely, but in the battle. And Hophni and Phinehas were killed by the edge of the sword. Upon the news of his sons dying... Eli fell from his chair backwards and broke his neck. Phineas's uh, wife, she was pregnant, and when she heard the news, she went into labor, and she delivered a baby boy. And she said, his name is to be Ichabod, which means the glory has departed. Yes, The glory of the Lord, because the ark had been carried away, had departed from Israel and went to the enemy, the Philistines. Here, the Philistines couldn't hold on to the ark because God can take care of himself. He doesn't need man to intervene for him. Where the ark went, disease, plagues, tumors struck five cities of the Philistines. They would pass it from place to place. What do we do with this? What do we do with this? And they said, they called on a diviner, and they said, ask the diviner what we should do. So they made a new cart, put the Ark of the Covenant on it. They took two milk cows to lead it on, kept the calves back in the city, and they said, if the cart goes to back to the calves, back to home, we know that it's a coincidence. This is all coincidence. We'll take the ark. But if it goes back to Israel, we know that it is uh, the Lord God of Israel. And so they said, we have to make guilt offerings so what does a pagan nation, a heathen nation, use to come before a holy God to forgive sins? They took gold figurines, gold idols, their riches, and as a guilt offering. That does not satisfy a holy God. Blood is required. Scripture says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Period. It takes a blood Sacrifice to enter into a covenant, even so. Here is the um, cart coming back, it enters Israel and they rejoice. The Beth Shemites, we look at Psalm, uh, excuse me, First Samuel 6, verses uh, 19. We see that the ark came in. But rather than turning it over to the Levites, the men of God, and housing it back in its proper place, the Beth Shemite men looked upon the ark. It says in verse 19, and he, being God, struck some of the men of Beth Shemesh because they looked upon the ark of the Lord. He struck 70 men of them, and the people mourned because the Lord had struck the people with a great blow. Then the men of Bethshemesh said, Who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God? And to whom shall we go up away from us? So they sent messengers to the inhabitants of kiriath saying, The Philistines have returned the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it. And the men of Kiriath-Jerim came and took up the ark of the Lord And brought it to the house of Abinadab on the hill, and they consecrated his son Eleazar to have charge of the ark of the Lord. From the day the ark was lodged at Kiriath Jerim, a long time passed, some twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented for the Lord. So that is how the ark winds up in today's text. So we look here in verse 1, David has gathered all the chosen men, some 30,000. He says, let's gather all the people from the surrounding areas. He's looking to unite Israel and to bring the ark back down to the city of David in Jerusalem. You'll see in 1 Chronicles, uh, the parallel passage, it says that they had not sought the ark all the days of Saul, and what David was, was proposing to the people seemed right in their eyes. So we see when we're coming to approach a holy God, we don't come on, to him on what seems to be right. We have to come to him the way he says to come. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. We come to a holy God through his provision of Jesus Christ. Now the people, they assembled, and David got the priest. He got singers, he got musicians. There was going to be a great celebration to, that goes from out jerim all the way down to uh, Jerusalem. But how are they going to get there? Well, it says for us in verse 2, And David arose, went with all the people who were with him from Baal-Judah to bring up from there the ark of God which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherub. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which is on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving a new cart with the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark and David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets and cymbals. Okay. So here our second point, we don't come by the opinion of others, what seems right in our own eyes, but we also don't come by the way of the world. How did the ark get to Abinadab? On a new cart. The Philistines, those who did not know God's law, prepared an ark and sent it. All the other Levites, in, when the law was given in service, they were given carts and wagons to serve. But the Kohathites were not given those carts. The Kohathites the branch of the Levites, one of the sons um, of Levi, uh, they were to service God in the temple all their days. And when the ark was to be moved, in Numbers chapter 4 talks about this, when it was to be moved they were to insert the golden poles or the golden staves, as some translations say. They were poles that were uh, covered with gold, and they were to put them through the four rings that were on the Ark of the Covenant. They were to slide them in, and then they were to carry the Ark on their shoulders. No one was to touch the Ark. And the ark was not to be put on a new cart. In, if you'll, I'll read from you for you uh, in Numbers 4. It says, This is the service of the sons of Kohath in the tent of meetings, the most holy things. When the camp is set out, Aaron and his sons shall go in and take down the veil of the screen. "'and cover the ark of testimony with it. "'Then they shall put on it a covering of badger skins "'and spread on top of that a cloth of blue "'and shall put its poles in its poles. "'And when Aaron and his sons have finished "'covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings "'of the sanctuary, as the camp sets out, "'after that the sons of Kohath shall come to carry these, "'but they must not touch the holy things.' lest they die. These are the things of the tent of meeting that the sons of Kohath are to carry. So here, he was a priest. He was in the house of a priest, but he didn't know the words, the law of the Lord. When we think about our community as believers and the world especially, have we lost the word of God? Are we trying to make the word of God a public opinion on how we approach God? Are we trying to come to God in the world's way? The pastors, the preachers from the pulpit are they proclaiming the one and only way to a holy God? Jesus Christ, his son. His blood, his covenant. His blood is what makes the new covenant. He fulfilled the first covenant, the law of God, perfectly. And he establishes the second covenant. He and he alone calls to you to enter into that covenant of his blood. This morning we'll end with talking about that a little bit. But at this point, Uzzah has this cart going down, and the cart, they come to the threshing floor of Nacon, and the ox stumble or some translations say, it the ark uh, stuck. And it rocks, it teeters. And Uzzah reaches out his hand and touches the ark. At that moment, he is struck down because of the holiness of God. What we've covered, what we've led up to, tells you exactly why he was struck, because of the holiness of God. They didn't prepare the priest. In another sermon that comes after this, you see David goes about and gets it right. He goes back to the priest, and they, as David says, we did not follow the rules of the Lord the first time, but now we are going to go back and follow the rules. There will be preparation of the priest even down to the priest establishing the singers and those, the procession that will follow the ark into Jerusalem. Yes, Uzzah is dead. David immediately, it says in verse 7, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah, and that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. And that stands for unbelievers or anyone who will approach a holy God aside from the blood of Jesus Christ. That will be the second death. We all die. We're all sinners. um, And the wages of sin is death. We will all die the first death. But the second death, that when we stand before the righteous judge, Jesus Christ, we will be judged on his righteousness. It won't be additions to or your own works, or else you will be a picture of Uzzah. You can't stand before the holy God on that last day. You have to have the blood of Jesus Christ. You have to have forgiveness of sins. Without Christ, you will die the second death. The fires of the lake of fire that burn forever. That's how severe sin is. That is how we are (coughs) failing. Even as believers, we don't see the seriousness of our sin. Sin is missing the mark of what God has said to be. God says this, we are to do this. When we don't, we sin, we err, and we have to change our mind. We have to repent and turn to God and agree with God. God says, you come through my son, Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that I have provided, and you will receive the forgiveness of sins. Our sins, the wrath of God... That was poured out on Usah was poured out on his son on the cross. We'll never know how horrendous the penalty of sin is as believers because Jesus took that. But we can understand as a believer the fact, as believers looking at uh, the unbelievers, why the fires of hell are eternal. Because that's how severe sin is. It will take all of eternity and then some to ever satisfy a holy God from sin. So Uzzah is dead, David is angry. It says that he was angry with the Lord. But It also says in verse 9, David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? And I think here is where Oba-Edom was present. Uh, Oba-Edom, later in the passage, he will be one of the singers, he will be one of the priests who's put in charge of the gate. But Oba-Edom, he took the ark into his home after this. So I believe he had understanding Of the error that Uzzah erred in his way and possibly told David or through him David was told of the error of what they forgot to do. You didn't come to it with the Kohathites. You didn't come with a sacrifice of preparation and David was afraid because if Uzzah was going to be destroyed Why would not all the nation of Israel be destroyed for this error? David was the king. He was the leader of the people. He bore the responsibility of his people. We as uh, proclaimers of the word, we who are disciples of Christ, were commanded to go out into the world and preach the gospel to every creature baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. We have a responsibility as believers to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ to a dying world so that on that day they don't wind up like Uzzah standing before a holy God and trying to enter his presence Because they will see Christ on that day, but they will not come to the Father. They will not come to the new heaven and new earth. They all will face judgment and they will either hear well well done thou good and faithful servant enter into the joys of my heaven, or they will hear depart from me I never knew you. So Oba Edom took the ark for three months and his household was blessed. Those that come to God and follow the ways of God from his word, their households are blessed. How do we exist in our society today? We embrace the word of God. We embrace Jesus Christ and the provision we have for our sins, and we truly will be blessed. We can live at peace when circumstances are in dire straits, disease, sickness, poverty, cultural uh, adversity. You, as a believer, can rest in the peace of God because the Word of God speaks to the things that are going on. If you reject God, if you say there is no God, then there are consequences, and the ultimate consequence is death. So, Christian, I'll speak to you now as far as the things that we're given. We don't Christ is the Ark of the Covenant. He has fulfilled all that is there. He, he has made a way for us to come to, to a holy God. He has given us as the church the Lord's table. This is the ordinance that we partake of when we gather together in our fellowship and we come before God with the bread and the wine, the bread is Christ's body, which has been given and broken for you, and the wine is a new covenant of his blood. How do you approach the Lord's table? Do you come to the Lord's table with unrepentant sin in your life? For as we partake, we see our sins forgiven. In the Lord's prayer, When he was teaching his disciples to pray, he said, Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. How can you partake of a holy communion when you have unrepentant sin before a holy God? How can you partake of the blood and body of our Savior when there's sin and difficulty between brothers and sisters, between husbands and wives, husbands and children, wives and children. How can that be? When we come, it is the gospel being preached to ourselves. We see that we are unworthy, but the blood of Jesus Christ and his body makes us worthy. We have repented. We understand that we can't come to this any other way. But we're not to come unrepented. It says in First Corinthians, specifically the last part, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself, and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment to himself." And that is why many of you are weak, ill, and some have died. God is holy, but praise God, he's a gracious God and has given us what we need for salvation. The blood of his son, the resurrection of hope and life. This morning, unbeliever, you may say, I'm unworthy, to partake. It seems too easy just to believe by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. I have to do something else. Well, if you bring something else alongside the required, you're not doing what God has asked of you, has commanded you to do. So you, like Uzzah, will be found short. You're trying to add to the gift of God. You can't add Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is enough. He is what we need to come before a holy God. Well, you say, "Well, I still don't see it. I'm still an un I I just don't feel worthy." You know, um, I think he'll have sympathy on me when I stand before him. He knows my circumstances. I come from a broken home. I, he, he, he knows I've had trouble in my past. Um, and he'll, he'll cut me some slack. Well, this passage today is a clear warning. What God commands to be done has to be followed. And there's no other way. Acts chapter 2, and I'll close with this. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said to them when he was proclaiming Christ, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul, when he stood before King Agrippa in Acts 26, He said, I declared the gospel, first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that's us, that they should repent and turn to God, that isn't a suggestion, that is a command, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. How do we approach a holy God as an unworthy man? Through his provision, his command, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this time that you've given us in your word. We thank you for your provision of Jesus, your son. King Jesus, as you sit on your throne, Awaiting that day when you will return for your church, Lord, I pray that your church would be um, pristine and pure. Forgive us our sins and our trespasses and um, help us not to get involved with the world, the flesh, and Satan. Keep us pure and blameless before you on that day that we will be presented as holy and blameless because of the blood of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Thank you, Jesus, for this. We pray in your name. Amen.